Are we recording? We are recording. <laughs> All right. We are professionals. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. We're excited to be back in the studio with you once again. We've got a special episode, a listener request from Nick. He's asked us to take a look at WCW Super Brawl 3 from way back in 1993. Nick says it's one of the best pay-per-views of the WCW uh, 1993. Actually, he said it's the best pay-per-view of the of wcw from 1993 and it's a pretty good one so thanks for the request nick we're happy to give it a watch and uh, talk about it for y'all uh as always you can find us on the web at all the wrestlemanias.com you can find us on twitter at wrestlemania pod you can shoot us an email at all the wrestlemanias at gmail.com we're always happy to have listener requests feedback comments questions we have some good questions lately about hall of fame picks uh we had some talk on the facebook page about demolition and why they're not in the hall of fame and why that's a bunch of crap um so we really love that interaction with you guys uh so keep the the comments and the questions and the requests coming so rich are you excited about super brawl three i am because this one actually has some interesting and fascinating like backroom shenanigans of history happening in pro wrestling era here do tell uh, yeah so f- one this is this is wcw is starting to pull away from nwa and we see that with a couple matches where they say that this match is fought under nwa rules and then this match is fought under wcw rules and the big difference between those two is in wcw rules at this period of time you could not jump on your opponent from the top rope if your opponent is prone on the mat you cannot jump on them and uh, that was instituted by Bill Watts, who had a short but influential and kind of controversial uh, stay as the executive vice president of WCW. He So the story goes supposedly that he watched a match between Brian Pillman and uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. And he did not like all the aerials and stuff like that. He, he thought it, it was juvenile and acrobatic and circus-like, even though the crowd apparently ate this match up. And so he decided that WCW needs to go back to old school, needs to be old-fashioned, and needs to be men fighting men in the ring on the mat, the mat wrestling. And so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he instituted a bunch of rules. So that was that includes the no moves from the top rope, no more blood. Uh, there's some other things. There's absolutely no low blows, even gimmicked low blows from like when the ref isn't looking or anything like that. And that if the wrestler is hit low, they are to make every effort not to sell the move as a low blow. Wrestling outside of the ring was discouraged to the point to where at the normal tapings of WCW Worldwide and such he had removed the mats from the outside of the ring. That doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> right. Uh, to keep them inside. <laughs> it's like, 
and I think he also had this philosophy to where if you're going to fight on the outside, it needs to look bad and look painful. So well, it's kind of accomplished. Yeah. Uh, and then though this, this show, there is mats outside of the ring. And then also any kind of use of the ring barricades or the ring posts is forbidden and automatic disqualification. And you may have remembered from our discussion of Wrestle Rock 86, the AWA had the same rule to where if you used the ring post on the outside, it was an automatic disqualification. Well, that's uh, obviously not in play when we get to the main event of this particular <laughs> pay-per-view. No. But that's okay. That's technically an unsanctioned match on here. Uh, the other... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Remember, they didn't sanction it, but they'll certainly televise it and make the money off of it. <laughs> yeah, you put it on TV. Not <laughs> sanctioned, though. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is is that both WCW and the NWA rules have no throwing your opponent over the top rope intentionally. Uh, so, But frequently, a, like a clothesline or a drop kick that sends someone over the top rope is not seen as intentional, that their momentum carried them, that it was not to move themselves. But and we've discussed before that pretty much everybody but the WWF had that rule. Um, and in fact, WWF at this point already has a pay-per-view that is themed off of throwing your opponent all over the top rope. So That kind of seems like a double birds, honestly, <laughs> to the NWA. Yeah. Oh, you guys can't do that? Look at this. Yeah, we're going to have a whole hour of nothing but throwing people over the top rope. <laughs> Here's 20 guys going out. Yeah. Um, actually, I kind of like that rule because it does add a certain, this element of unpredictability. It also puts some heat on the ref, you know, to like in a real sport to kind of make the right call, right? Like, was that was that a intentional toss over the top or was it something else? Um, you know, the ref has to make that call. Then I can, add again, add some controversy, add some drama. It just adds a little extra layer to a match which is kind of cool it also gives the the heel a little bit more heat uh because he can have the ref distracted while he throws his opponent over the top rope or something like that it's just an extra illegal move just like the pile driver or or chokes and stuff like that it's like just one extra tool in the bag of the heel uh, grabbing to, the tights right to piss off the audience feet on the ropes yeah foreign object I'm just going to keep naming things. Yeah. So there's also two more characters that show up at this pay-per-view. The first one that we noticed, this is Jesse Ventura is calling ringside action with Tony Schiavone uh, for this event. And he had actually jumped over to WCW in early 1992 after successfully suing the WWF for lying to him about royalties and such. Basically, when he negotiated his contract, uh, he waived his rights to royalties on videotape sales when he was told that uh, performers in that position would not normally not receive royalties. And then he found out that that's not true. And uh, he sued for $2 million, eventually goes to federal court, and he gets $800,000 plus some back pay uh, from WWF. And then suddenly, in February of 1992, Jesse Ventura shows up as commentator at Super Brawl 2. With a very shiny head. Very, very shiny head and a little ponytail thinger that just looks god-awful. You just want to get like your mom's fabric scissors and cut it off. <laughs> Not the good scissors. Not the good scissors. Oh, he it's really gross. Yeah, it's really gross. 
and then eventually he is fired from WCW uh, because he supposedly fell asleep during the taping of a episode of WCW Worldwide at MGM Studios. But also it's believed that that may have been connected to Hulk Hogan's arrival, which we know Jesse Ventura and Hulk Hogan do not get along. <laughs> Yeah, now that lawsuit stuff is fascinating. And, you know, for as much of a kind of an a-hole as Jesse Ventura is, like he also did stand up to Vince several times throughout his career on bullshit like that. And and I don't know if he made anything better in the long run for other wrestlers in the business, but I do at least appreciate his integrity. I'm sure, you know, for the money, but like, he's like, yeah, you know what? Fuck you pay me, right? Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was surprised to see him here. I didn't remember that he had been over at wcw um so he looks pretty much the same except for that bald head and ponytail tony shivani looks like a baby he is a wee little one in this one <laughs> he's a wee one this is from february 21st 1993 at the asheville civic center in asheville north carolina lovely town attendance here is 6500 so it's a relatively small event compared to some of the the things that we've seen um, the tagline on this one is is more of a sentence it says, witness history in the making at the biggest event of the year. And I guess they ran out of space on the box. They could have just kept on going. <laughs> that features your favorite wrestlers doing amazing wrestling moves in a stadium <laughs> with a music ring. and commentary and rules. Anyway, they're a little more wordy over there at the WCW, I guess. This uh, choice of Asheville as a place for this event is also connected to Bill Watts in that Bill Watts believed that WCW should go back to more rural roots and play more dimly lit arenas and small shows and to draw that wrestling crowd out, I guess. Uh, I don't understand that tactic because uh, WWF is putting 90,000 in the Superdome. <laughs> yeah. In, in the Pontiac Silverdome. Sorry. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting move that he, but I guess they believe also that they're, they should be doing more shows, but with smaller crowds and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Bill Watts, an interesting guy. And that's for sure. So the um, announcers, the sort of for the TV here, are Eric Bischoff, again, oh. looking like an absolute baby. Actually, I didn't recognize him at first when he came on. I'm like, who the hell is that guy? I'm like, and like, it took me, it took me a good couple of minutes to figure it out. Uh, Missy Hyatt and Johnny B. Bad, who are uh, announcing here. Um, Johnny B. Bad. So first of all, it it sounds like they're in the stadium. And the fans seem to be like turning and looking towards them, but it also really looks like they're in front of a green screen. Like it looked like really fake. I don't, I couldn't figure out what's going on. It's the poor lighting. Uh, so they <laughs> had to right. use the camera on a really small aperture, which blurs the background and just lets you see the foreground and that lets in more light. Um, but I do pose to you this question Who was wearing more makeup, Johnny B. Bad or Missy Hyatt? Oh, Johnny B. Bad for sure. It's seriously distracting. <laughs> also, so his whole shtick is that he's doing a Little Richard impersonation, but Johnny B. Good is a Chuck Berry song, not a Little Richard song. So he can't even get that right. Also, he's a white guy. Like, I don't know that it's okay for him to be like doing a Little Richard impersonation with that much makeup on. I, I, had, I had some issues. I don't think I ever realized that Mark Merrow was white. I'm pretty sure he's an Italian dude. You Google that while I talk a little yeah. bit about... Uh, 
Max Payne playing the national anthem on a purple electric guitar. His guitar is autographed by a whole bunch of people, but I couldn't read any of them. So I don't know. It could have been like the cast of Cats. I I don't really know what was going on. But his guitar is super cool. It's purple. Looks like he got it from uh, a yard sale at Prince's house. And he can actually play it if that was really him playing. I think that was him playing. It looked like it. Um, it does look like Mero is probably white. He's from Buffalo, New York. Yeah, I I would settle on that. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Mark Mero, white guy, probably shouldn't be doing a little Richard impersonation. No, no, would I mean, not be okay. Maybe it's just the poor lighting in the in, in these WCW <laughs> arenas. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, at least he didn't do a Chuck Berry impersonation. I guess that probably would have been worse. So he could at least focus on the makeup. So Max Payne is actually here as a uh, substitute for somebody, and we'll get to that a little bit later. So I don't who was going to play the guitar if he hadn't come in to sub? Wow, they got a guitarist named Max Payne, and Max Payne's going to be in a match later? Another <laughs> guy named Max Payne? Like, I didn't connect that it was the same guy <laughs> until he came oh, out. Oh, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah, until he came out for the match. I was like, oh, it is the same guy. Look at that. Yeah, two different people named Max Payne in Asheville, North Carolina on this day. It's quite a coincidence, a lot of people. Apparently, he did sue the video game makers of Max Payne for using his name, Max Payne. <laughs> I was wondering. I was wondering about that, yeah. Yeah. I love that game. It's fucking dark. Anyway, it's darker than this. Uh, it's darker than the lighting on this intro, that's what. <laughs> anyway. The, the show starts off, too, with this segment of, like, Sting bent over the ropes. <laughs> being whipped was that barry windham whipping him and like harley i think Race, it was harley yeah harley yeah. race is holding him through the ropes yeah. and like barry windham is standing tall and proud behind sting in an interesting position whipping him across the back it's a very suggestive moment the open your pay-per-view with harley race has really got it in for sting because i went back and watched super brawl 2 after I finished watching this one, and he he's still fucking with Sting in the and there, so like this is this is a year later. He's he's got some problems with that guy. Yeah, Sting pisses him off. At, yeah, there's this like it's probably real heat too. I have a feeling. I don't know. I mean, I I get it in a way, right? Because Harley is you know tough old guy, no nonsense, and Sting's got his makeup and he's hollering and he's jumping around like a jackass. And so from I, I get it. supposedly California. Uh he's Mm, not sure um. (laughs) there's also some fascinating little video clips throughout this pay-per-view telling us the story this is amazing i i want to look on youtube to see if somebody put them all together into one continuous um like short film uh because you could submit it to the academy and it would win an oscar um that involves sting um taking a helicopter up into the mountains i think to find his demons or Vader or both and hot women. Um, and he was also wearing a tracksuit and Brian Boz wears sunglasses the whole time. It's amazing. Every single time one of those segments played, I was just like, what the hell was that? And then it was over. Oh, they're and so short. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And it would just be like fake snow blowing on Vader and staying in a helicopter going, I gotta go or something weird like that. Like, <laughs> What was that? And then it'll just be like Vader, like, and like, okay. And then next match. (laughs) They're almost so short that they're like subliminal. Like they're 
Well, anyway, which I'm jumping ahead, but there's one. So the first one comes after the first match. He's in this helicopter again in his beautiful blue tracksuit. Brian Boswell shades. Look that one up, kids. Um, and he's looking out over the snow and he hears like these taunts from Vader in his head. And he says, I wonder what this is all about. And I, I had to, I had the same question. Like, I, I don't know. I hope Sting yeah. answers it for us. Yeah, they are so short and so subliminal. It's kind of like that, like, discuss like little bit in uh, fight club where they split talks about splicing single frames of pornography into children's <laughs> movies <laughs> like they just come on you're like what and then it's gone like, did <laughs> <What>? i <laughs> did i did i see vader inside of a volcano grunting is sting a, is sting in a helicopter i don't where do these women come from <laughs> It's why there, why is Harley Race there? I don't understand. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of like Dracula's castle where he's got all his sexy vampire bitches um just hanging out except Vader is Dracula uh, cuz obviously they're just they're drawn in by his sex appeal. It's it's intense. <laughs> That's why he's at White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> why is yeah, why is he in the White Castle? <laughs> it was the Jack the Jack in the Box was uh yeah, was booked. Like, I don't he know. He likes those little sliders. Obviously. <laughs> Those things are delicious. Mm. Well, should we talk about some of these matches? I guess. Yeah, I, I guess know. so. I mean, there are some really <laughs> great matches in this show too. Yeah, the first one is a tag team match. It's a pretty long one, actually. It's the Hollywood Blondes, which is flying Brian Pillman and stunning Steve Austin, who is blonde and also a baby, uh, versus Eric Watts and Marcus Bagwell. Um, I just noted that this is a stellar lineup, uh, 75% of a stellar lineup, because I don't remember Eric Watts. He looks like a string bean. He has got like zero muscle mass. I think he may have played the Scarecrow in one of the Batman movies, um, but he's some sort of a submission specialist, I think. Um, and the but crowd the guys, hates him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the other guys here are super impressive, though. Yeah, like every time Watts got in the ring, boo, boo, <laughs> like, like the, he's got more heat than anybody else in this match. It's it, it was insane. I didn't under, and I didn't understand why they hated him. But I mean, I thought he was pretty sloppy in the match. But was he also just like slashing tires in the parking lot before the yeah. show, or like? stealing candy from everybody's kids in the audience i wow there was some real heat against him it's Asheville, so he announced before this before the show that he hates hemp <laughs> it's a hippie mecca down there is what i'm saying but um marcus bagwell is a unit um he this he's a, like relatively young here he's just gotten in he's maybe been in the business like a year that's what jesse keeps saying anyway he's a rookie oh he's a rookie he doesn't know what he's doing blah 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 and he's fairly unrecognizable too, compared to yeah. what you if you're used to how he looked in like the late nineties and two thousands. Yeah. This is not that bagwell. <laughs> so it's fascinating to watch Austin here because like his some of his moves look really familiar. You know, those knee drops yeah. when the guy's on the canvas and it's like his stomps and stuff, and you're like, Oh shit, it's Steve Austin, but he looks n- like almost nothing like him, you know? So that was kind of interesting to me. There's some other good stuff here. And what else what did you want to call out? He- he should grow back that blonde hair. <laughs> oh my god, that that he's got beautiful hair. Uh, but yeah, Steve, one Austin is over. He's really over with the crowd. It's 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 nice to see, without him having to be the beer swilling, cussing, finger given, uh, hate the boss kind of guy. He's 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 over. And uh, there's just a lot of good back and forth in this match. It goes a little long for my tastes. 
there's uh he does a really mean thing to Watts at one point where he, I think no it was it was Pillman that does it. Pillman holds Watts's face into the mat and rubs it like he pooped on the carpet. <laughs> um, Yikes! Yeah, that was it's just vicious and bad dog. Like, yeah. Uh, Steve had some great vocalizing in this. It's like he's been watching some Ric Flair tapes or something. Bagwell did a very nice cross body, which was impressive. But I was annoyed through a lot of this match because there's a fan in the front row with a crutch. And she kept holding it up for some ungodknown reason. <laughs> and it's actually blocking the camera, the hard cam view of this match. And so, like, frequently, suddenly this crutch pops up into the frame and is, like, waving all over the place. And, like... I hope someone's going to take that crutch one time and hit somebody with it. I don't know know what's happening. Maybe she was, maybe she was hoping one of the wrestlers would see it and grab it, but it's not that kind of match. Yeah. That was annoying. Who does that? Like, look at my, look at my injury. You guys, Tony Schiavone yells at Jesse Ventura for not talking enough during this match. And he does it a couple (laughs) other times. And Ventura is just like, I'm taking in the action. (laughs) Those two do not seem to get along very well at all. No, Um, they uh they kind of they kind of bitch at, like bitch at each other in a slightly too realistic way uh, multiple times throughout this. Well, I mean, it really starts after Ventura calls Tony Vince McMahon at one point. <laughs> Yikes! He hasn't been in WWF for a year at this point, and he he barks back something like, "Well, that's just the way it is, McMahon," and and like then there's this silence. And then Tony barks at him. Well, you could talk more, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, they they go at each other's throat a lot through this entire pay per view. And but Ventura does land this beautiful line. Uh, Austin steps onto the back of Bagwell, I believe it was, who was on the on the mat. And Austin just as like a mean taunt, just like stands on his back. And uh, Jesse Ventura says, "If that happens in Japan, it's erotic." And then <laughs> Shivani just replies, Tokyo is a long way from Asheville. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Mm, okay. Yeah. I, uh, hmm, I have questions. I'll Google it after this. I, yeah. I don't Safe search off. Uh, I did like uh, Pillman faking the knee injury, asking oh, for yeah. a timeout, and then turns it into a sneak attack. Um, I say Pillman verges on overselling here a little bit. He does a lot of the like, you know, the Ric Flair hands up begging stuff. Um, it gets a, it gets close to being too much, but it's overall it's it's really good. I enjoyed this match quite a bit. The finish is um, there's a snap suplex from Bagwell, and he gets the pin, but then Steve like drops off the top onto Bagwell's exposed belly <laughs> with a the beautiful elbow. Oh, oh it's awesome. Beautiful form. And his back is kind of like, um, Bagwell's back is kind of like arched. So his like stomach is like up and exposed and, uh, you know, and, and so Pillman then gets the pin when the ref turns back around that, that was a pretty exciting finish to a pretty exciting match. So that was, that was great to see. After this, we get the first video package of sting in a helicopter. I wonder what this is all about. Uh, so we won't cover that again, but that was great. Um, and then we're back to our annoying green screen announcers, Bischoff and, uh, and Johnny B bad, uh, confirm that Flair is going to be here tonight. Uh, so Missy's trying to get an interview backstage, but she just, just misses him getting out of his limo. There's some like comedic timing stuff going on. 
Yeah, it's awkward. Like, they're like, come with us, ma'am. And they, like, sweep her away. And then Flair comes out. And then she comes back out. And, like, where is he? Like, she's really dumb. Uh, it's okay. So, so, yeah, this is Ric Flair's grand return to WCW after several years in WWF. It's kind of an interesting story how he comes back. Flair had a verbal agreement with McMahon that if he was going to be taken out of the main event uh, circulation, that if he had another offer, he would be allowed to leave and Vince would break the contract for him to leave. And after they decide that uh, Flair was going to move to a mid-card position, and at that point, Flair asks for his uh, release from WWF. And so he does a uh, loser leaves WWF match against Mr. Perfect at the Royal Rumble in 1993. Um, actually, no, that's on Monday Night Raw after the Royal Rumble. I'm sorry. And he he completes out the the European tour that they were doing that winter. And he does his last house show in WWF on February 11th. And then he shows up at Super Brawl 3 on February 21st. But because of a no-compete clause, he cannot wrestle. Ha. Hence just the uh, popping out of the limo. And then he does show up on commentary on uh, one of the later matches then. So, interesting. He looks glorious, by the way. He's in his suit. Ah. His hair is quaffed. He's strutting. It is the flair of old. it's, It's impressive. Yeah. Next up is Too Cold Scorpio versus Chris Benoit. So super young Chris Benoit here. He looks again, another guy looks like a baby. Um, he doesn't look as tough with longer hair, I got to say. So I think, you know, the buzz cut was definitely a good move later on in his career. This is actually his first WCW pay-per-view. Uh, and I wasn't familiar with Too Cold Scorpio again. This kind of falls in to a spot where I wasn't watching much uh, of, of any wrestling and definitely not WCW. Um, I asked uh, in my, I wrote in my notes, I was wondering if he's supposed to be the Black Sting because he's got like similar scorpion tights. It is very interesting how, how like similar his look is to Sting's minus the face paint. He's got, he's even got the same haircut kind of. And I also wonder if he was an influence on Scorpio Sky in AEW too. Cause... I have to imagine he took that name yeah. um, sort of intentionally as a, as an homage to Two Cold Scorpio. Yeah, because they have very similar styles. Um, and Too Cold Scorpio is definitely ahead of his time in the way he he wrestles. Um, and Chris Benoit, uh, the same deal. These two put on a one hell of a show uh, that's really spectacular, and they really get the, the audience into it to the point to where Ventura says, they might be rednecks, but they know wrestling. Uh, That's a backhanded compliment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the, everything in this match just flows from one move to another beautifully. They have rest holds and then quick paces, and like so, like the pacing is nice. There's a there is one botch of a sunset flip into the ropes. They were, they they went for the sunset flip, but they were too close to the ropes, and they ended up getting tangled, and it was kind of a mess. But they recovered. They bounced back, and Scorpio surprised me because I'm used to him being more of an aerial guy, but he did some really great mat reversals and stuff like that. So there's like this great like old school feel to it, but also a glimpse into the future with wrestling too, that happens. And despite having the no top rope action, uh, these two guys that are known for being a bit high flyers at this point, put on a hell of a good match. 
Yeah, you actually messaged me while you were watching this and said, this is a match from the future. <laughs> yeah. And there is. There's a good mix. There's that sort of technical kind of grind down, mat stuff. Yeah, Scorpio, you know, Scorpio would fit right in on AEW. You know, he does some of the flipping and the whatever, the, the backhand springs and all that stuff. Uh, the aerial moves. Scorpio Sky definitely uh, sort of influenced. And yeah, he's, like you said, ahead of his time. And this is a good matchup for both of these guys. Uh, there's a beauty of a back suplex from the top rope that Benoit sells as an injury to his own head, which gives Scorpio time to recover. Scorpio jumps on Benoit's shoulders for a roll-up, but then gets slammed face-first onto the mat. That was a mean move. Oh, yeah. And Benoit drops a big leg off the second rope, which you don't see all that often. Um, the time limit countdown starts over the PA, and Scorpio gets a roll-up like just as the time expires, which that takes some serious timing and, and coordination to get that just right. Yeah, and you really didn't notice them waiting either to try and get that timing right. They like they get the pin in with like a hair of a second left, like just maybe a tenth of a second left in the match when the three count hits. Um, it's really impressive and great timing. I I really enjoy this match uh, quite a good deal, and it's a shame that it's so early in the card. I've been fun to have this later in the card in my opinion but good show yeah for sure well and that um a time limit ending there gives benoit a chance to say oh you know i was robbed and then they can have a bounce back match if they want to there's a little uh promo interview max Payne and bischoff um he's talking about his shot against uh dustin Rhodes later tonight again max Payne is a substitute on the card um, for Ron Simmons, who apparently is out with a shoulder injury. I don't know if that's a real injury or a kayfabe injury, but uh, Max Payne is is stepping in. Um, he plays taps for Dustin on his guitar. That part was pretty cool. And then we get to Davy Boy Smith, a.k.a. the British Bulldog, versus Wild Bill Irwin. Uh, Irwin, you remember, we saw as one of the long riders on, uh, let's see, was that the Wrestle, uh, Wrestle Rock 86? Yes. He was in the oh, Long yeah. Riders there against yes. uh, uh, Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall. Right, right, right. Um, we're, we've been watching a lot of shows lately. They're starting to blend together a little bit. But um, Wild Bill has a bullwhip. Uh, I don't know if that's okay. I don't think it is. Davy Boy looks great. Yeah, I, sorry. I was just reading about Davy Boy's short stint in WCW. Um, it's his. This is his premier match in WCW. And they oh, actually wow. had him... Uh, run near the top of the card because we were talking about how it's we always kind of felt bad at, like Davy boy smith never really got the the push that we felt that he really seems to deserve because he looks like a million bucks he works well he's super strong he's he's super over with the with the crowd everywhere he goes like why isn't he ever made a champ so but uh apparently he was he was um he had actually beaten vader for the championship but the decision was reversed at one point so he was very close uh but then at some point in while they're on tour davy boy smith got in a fight with a man at a bar for making advances on his wife and the pending legal actions caused wcw to release him so Oh, man. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, so he was only there for like a year. What kind of idiot would make advances on Davy Boy's wife? <laughs> like, it's a monster. What? Like, oh, oh here's here's a good guy. Uh, uh, look at that guy. He he looks like a brick shithouse. I think I'll go hit on his wife and see what happens. Yeah. Um, 
And let's not forget that his his wife is like Bret Hart's sister. Yeah. So Davy Boy could like snap your spine in half, and then Bret Hart would like twist the remainder of you into a pretzel. Right. And like you know. he she probably knows how to defend herself. Like she'll put you in a hurting before, you know, like <laughs> She's fine. I don't need to step in and like save your career. But anyways, she yeah, she probably spent some time in the dungeon as well with the guys. Was the, well, yeah. But there's a couple of moments during this match where like Bill Irwin tries to match shoulder blocks with Davy. I'm like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> like, what, you might you might as well just like run into a concrete pillar and see which one wins. You know, like yeah. One of the only dumb. notes I made about this match was that Bill Irwin's gonna die. <laughs> like he doesn't have a chance there's no way in hell he's winning this match and he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't i also noted that uh, bill Irwin is wearing mom jeans that are like crawling up the crack of his ass like something oh, yeah. fierce he's got super really high uncomfortable. jeans yeah <laughs> it's not good um so davy does his usual show of strength stuff he does a military press he holds the suplex for like eight and a half minutes i don't know um <laughs> he so carries him fa- out to concessions and gets a coke <laughs> and then comes back yeah he's he's such a monster he does his uh running power slam thing my favorite moment in this match though is um after an irish whip jesse says how come they call it an irish whip shivani does it come from ireland or something and tony says just as straight as can be he says yes it was invented in 1863 in a match there (laughs) (laughs) what like your sources tony does they work that out ahead of time like how does he just have that have that date in his head. So you're telling me during the American Civil War in Imagine <laughs> Ireland, somebody invented the Irish whip and decided to call it that and imported it into wrestling. <laughs> also, why do you know that? Tony why Schiavone. You, why are you undis- just lying? Undisputed bar trivia champion, 20 years running. It's or- also a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Schiavone's the Michael Cole of his time. Yeah, pretty much, because, like, so the only reference to this of its origin I can find is tied to this professional wrestler named Dano O'Mahony. Dano O'Mahony. Can you get any more Irish? <laughs> That's the world's most Irish name. Jesus, he might as well just be, like, green and covered in clover to be, and, like, selling Lucky Charms and soap. I Even, even Seamus is like, come on, bro. Uh, Seamus is embarrassed. Like, come on. Um, so apparently his, his signature move was throwing his opponent into the ropes in like the 1930s. And they started calling it the Irish whip because he's an Irish wrestler. Uh, so creative. Yeah. And supposedly he's, he's believed to be like the first, like ethnic draw like wrestler that used his ethnicity as a gimmick to be the draw and to get over apparently supposedly i don't know but it's but he was born like 1912 so he wasn't around in 1863 to invent that so he was uh nwa champion well, that's something yeah, yeah. so that's, yeah that's more likely than whenever the fuck tony Schiavone just came up with like, most just- likely how to, pulled directly from his ass like what were they like like someone just wrote down like the play-by-play of a wrestling match in 1863 in ireland <laughs> he used the what should we call that oh the irish whip wouldn't they just call it the whip <laughs> right is this a whip <laughs> he whipped him into the corner and because it happened in ireland it's an irish one damn it know. tony i don't i don't damn like it, it. i it's really like, love uh, tony Schiavone though but yeah 
Just, like if you go to if you go to Brazil and you're like, hey, could I have a Brazil nut? They'd be like, we just call them nuts. Yeah. Anyway. And what's what's also amusing though is that Jesse Ventura acts like he knew that and says, "Very good, Tony. You've been doing your homework. I'm I'm proud of you." <laughs> they didn't even have Wikipedia in, in 1993. There's no way on earth that's a real thing. No, maybe All we right. can get like a 1992 Encyclopedia Britannica and see if Irish Whip is in there and see what it says. <laughs> somehow, somehow I doubt it. But yeah, um, David Boy is... wins this one shockingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Irwin does not win this one, despite bringing no. Whip to the ring. No, uh, Jesse mentions that uh, British Bulldog looks like a Rastafarian with that hair, and for some reason Tony says there's no Rastafarians in Asheville. <laughs> and that is false. Yeah, it's like, have you been there, Tony? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't quite the the hippie blueberry into tomato soup kind of city back in 1993, but nowadays, holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Wait, they put blueberries in their tomato soup? It's it's a metaphor for being a blue democratic city surrounded uh... by red republican i got it uh, north carolina (laughs) yeah i got it i didn't follow like uh there's lots of cities like that it's gerrymandered it's gerrymandered yeah Yeah. we we don't get political on the show if we can help it but i mean in terms of political statements uh bill Irwin's mom jeans i am (laughs) i am opposed i am opposed to those we think he still has weights in his boots and i hope he does it maybe would have helped him a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, for real. So, um, next up we got Paul Orndorff. Yay, Mister Wonderful. He is he. Look, that dude is an absolute stud. This is like at least six, seven years after his sort of his major WWF heyday, and he still looks like a million dollars. He starts a promo for his match with uh, Cactus Jack, but uh, Foley comes <laughs> charging through the curtain, wielding a shit shovel, and chases poor uh mr <laughs> wonderful down to the ring with the shovel so he doesn't even get to finish his promo and he gets chased by a shit shovel that's not very nice but this is a falls count anywhere match um with cactus jack and paul mr wonderful orndorff he doesn't actually not called mr wonderful here that i could that i could hear but no um i assume that's trademarked yeah or- orndorff is 44 years old god damn i am also 44 years old Listeners, I do not look like that. Can I suplex you and body slam you onto a concrete floor? <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> Let's just wrap this up. Oh um, man, I don't know. There's a lot going on here. This is so I wrote down that this is not Orndorff's milieu, but you know this is not what I would consider to be his wheelhouse. But he does an awesome job here. Actually, he works really well with Mick. He he does most of the spots to Mick, which is what you would want to happen in a match like this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they, they get it on. Yeah, Orndorff shows a real mean streak here. Uh, he makes a good recovery after being chased by an elephant shit circus shovel. <laughs> yeah. And Cactus Jack just takes some nasty, nasty bumps through this entire match. No, so yeah, th- there's some mean shit that's happening in this match, and uh, Cactus Jack is on the receiving end of almost all of it. Um, yeah, <laughs> some of it he does to himself, some of it Orndorff does to him. Yeah, <laughs> he does a sunset flip 
or attempts a sunset flip from the apron to the concrete floor. He has pulled the mat back already so that he could slam Orndorff. It's worse than that. It's from the top rope. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, I missed it. I thought it was from the apron, I guess. No, I he climbed up. up. He goes the little bang, bang. He climbs up and then he goes for it from the top rope. And, uh, ouch. Yeah, that Ow. looked really, really painful. <laughs> that one was that one was really bad. And then they fight up the aisle, and Orndorff suplexes Mick onto the steel gate, like like halfway. You know, half of his body is on one side of the gate, and halfway is on the other. Like I thought, his spine was going to break in half, and he just like flips off face first onto the concrete. And then he sits Mick up and rams his face into the gate. Uh, and Mick doesn't even like try to protect himself. He doesn't put his hands up he doesn't like you know throw an arm in there he just takes it full in the face <laughs> just, just he just eats it this, oh, <laughs> oh. just steel barrier meat oh. face yeah uh and then eventually they do make their way back to the ring and orndorf gets a chair gets a steel chair and he starts his pounding on on cactus jack's leg on his knee with the chair ah uh, <laughs> just yeah, he takes off Mick's Ooh. knee brace and chokes him with it. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's really he's really going to work on that knee, and Mick's selling it like crazy. Um, Orndorff then calls for the pile driver, and he does a. I'm not even going to describe them, but the little gesture that he does. It's supposed to signify the pile driver. It doesn't look like that's what he's doing. Um, it looks like and he's then masturbating. <laughs> it's it a large dick. <laughs> Like Maybe the dick the- that goes with that elephant shit shovel. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> uh, uh, this is uh, this is the reason that we don't put up video of our show. <laughs> you don't want to have to see the face that Rich is making right now. Um, but yeah, watch watch it. You'll you'll see what we're talking about. Um, but then he does the Hulk Hogan like listening for applause move, right? Like the waving the hand, putting it at his ear. But while he's goofing around, Mick gets the shovel and knocks him cold. Um, but Orndorff, unlike Mick, actually gets a hand up because he's not a complete maniac. Yeah, so he doesn't just eat a shovel shot to the face for the no. fuck of it. It's that massive shovel to the face, and one, two, three, bang, 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 cactus, <laughs> bang, bang, win, bang, bang. <laughs> I liked this match actually. I was excited yeah. to see Paul Orndorff. I'm always excited to see Mick Foley. I I don't I don't know how Mick is still alive, let alone walking. Uh but whatever he's made of, they need to bottle it. Yeah, good lord. Ooh. <laughs> uh let's see. Are we ready to move on next uh next match here? Yeah, I think um, so. We got the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, all-time classics versus the Heavenly Bodies, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Stan Lane. Uh, the Heavenly Bodies are there with Jim Cornette in their corner. Uh, Bobby Eaton is also here with the Heavenly Bodies. They have a sort of three-man freebird rule thing going on. But the NWA, this is one of those cases where they break out the the rule book. They said the NWA said there are only two allowed at the ring for this match. So Eaton gets sent to the back. Um, so right of, right from the start, the heavenly bodies are, are pissed off and um, also seem a little bit like jerks. Seems like they're trying to get away with something. Absolutely. Dicks. They're always trouble. They're always trouble. And Cornette, that Cornette, that pesky Cornette is, he's, he's a troublemaker. Yeah, what a spoiled jerk. Supposedly, this was supposed to be the Wrecking Crew versus the Rock and Roll Express. Um, but uh, Bill Watts had made an agreement with 
commissioner of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Bob Armstrong, to have the Heavenly Bodies come over for a match. Huh. Interesting. Who was in the Wrecking Crew? I don't remember. Uh, that, let's that find out. Uh... While you while you do that, Cornet generates some really great heat with his uh, his move where he hugs his guys like, oh, yo, it's okay, guys, it's okay. And he hugs them whenever something bad happens. And man, the crowd hates it, hates it. They they uh, holler and scream quite a bit. There's some really good back and forth action throughout this one. Did you figure out the Wrecking Crew? I'm working on it. It's kind of confusing because it looks like there was a solo wrestler named the Wrecking Crew in WCW. Uh, that's all right we'll fix it in post the wrecking crew consisted of rage and fury aka al green and mark laranitis uh, with al green apparently it looks like a um, soul singer no uh he was actually his real name was alfred Dobalo. I like the other one better. Yeah. Well, yes. Times I'm good and bad. Yeah. So, another thing I'm going to have to probe is that, like, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, I thought that was uh, that was actually Cornette's promotion, right? No, that's uh, OVW. The uh, Well, he was put in charge of OVW, but I thought Smoky Mountain oh. was his actual promotion and, like, was actually being used as a development for WWF. Um, um, because we nice. also see the heavenly bodies show up on uh, at a WrestleMania that we watched. Yeah. Um, of course. All right. So maybe we can do some judicious cutting here and fix that later. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Whatever. Yeah. Heavenly What's bodies that? versus Rock and Roll Express, or we just leave it like that. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, there's uh yeah, there's some really good uh, rock and roll, of course. Uh, you know. Playing Ricky Morton, right? Hey, Ricky, poor Ricky always gets his oh. ass beat for a long time. That's kind of his job. Uh, he made a he's made a career out of it. Yeah, they get a really sweet comeback with a double clothesline and then a double double drop kick, and then they slingshot Cornette into the ring just for good measure to give him a good stomping. But uh, but Pritchard attacks from behind. Yeah. That's the end of that then, one. Uh, um, uh, Eaton jumps in, too, with an elbow from the top rope. He shows up out of nowhere. Um, you actually don't actually see him come in. Yeah, there's there's some messy camera work during this match. So, like, we miss Tom Pritchard taking an atomic drop and colliding with uh, Stan Lane uh, when he's trying to get in the ring to in, inter, interfere. I was really impressed by Jim Cornette selling on the outside of the ring during this match. Uh, he was very enthusiastic, <laughs> very into it, uh, pounded he on takes, the mat and screaming. He, he takes, takes a couple good bumps, good bumps too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still stuck on how big of a pop the, the Rock and Roll Express got coming into that show. I I mean, yeah, it's their territory, but Jesus, that was. I, I don't think I think they should rename the Road Warrior Pop to Rock and Roll Express Pop. Yeah, the crowd was super into them. They were. Uh... That and the the pop they get at the end when they finally get the win was uh, was incredible. So so what actually yeah, yeah so what actually happens here is Ricky has uh, Pritchard pinned. Eaton comes in um, again out of nowhere and tries to jump in, but Ricky moves out of the way and and Eaton hits Pritchard instead. Um, but then and this is the part that impressed me. Gibson is actually the legal man, so he dives over for the pin and to get the win. Um, 
that would have been an easy one to fuck up, right? And all the yeah. chaos there. And we've um, seen that fuck up happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's all Dr. Death and the Road Warriors get into it. Yeah. Uh, but that was great. Like that's that's tag team um know-how and skills right there. Yeah, the uh, I, this match too is this incredible because this match is 13 minutes long and for 12 of those minutes uh um Ricky Morton is in the ring, in the ring. Like he's the legal man for like all of this match, except for the very end. And he just gets his ass beat the entire, not the entire time, but for a solid portion of it. And I was just stuck there staring. Like, I can't believe that's really his hair. (laughs) Like, is that really Ricky Morton's hair? Like it's so, it doesn't look real. No, it looks like a a Halloween spirit, eighties rocker uh, wig. Yeah, or like someone removed Joe Dirt's wig and really cleaned it up nice <laughs> and really, oh, really no. restyled it. And like that's terrible. I he it's next to Flair. It is the most glorious main in in pro wrestling at this point. I think. Wow, that's a big statement. Well, we kind of fucked up the description of this match, but it's a really good match. Uh, some beautiful, <laughs> beautiful chaos, lots of action, yeah. great work by Jim Cornette. Uh, huge, huge reactions from the crowd. Um, so our the match is actually better than our uh, description of it, which is not usually the case. Usually these descriptions are just just so much better than the actual match because we're just such masters of this art form. But <laughs> we also missed the hot tag because of the camera. <laughs> Uh, in yeah, that. I don't know what the fuck that camera guy was doing. Like he was, he was staring at the pound at Cornette pounding on the ring, and we totally missed the hot tag to uh, Robert Gibson, which is heartbreaking. That's why you watched the Rock and Roll. That's Express. the whole story. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the moment. But yeah, our coverage of this match has been as chaotic as this match actually was. So yeah, I think so we've done a fair representation of it. After that, we get another uh, segment of the Sting saga, and he has reached the White Castle. Um, there are no hamburgers in sight, but it is sexy. There's a, uh-huh. there's some sexy time going on at the White Castle. I don't understand at all what's happening. It's not even 30 seconds. It's like, no. it's 20 seconds, I, I swear. And like, it's like supposed- super, super close-ups, too. Yeah. Like, so, like, <laughs> like, like, very, like, deep close-ups, like, straight on camera, center camera close-ups of sting and vader and like vader breathing and sting going huh and like (laughs) (laughs) huh is the appropriate reaction huh (laughs) seriously somebody if somebody hasn't cut those together to make a little short film please please do that i don't have the video editing skills um you you need to make that happen for america i mean i'll google that after we're done Next up is Dustin Rhodes again versus Max Payne, who is here as a sub for Ron Simmons. This is a WCW United States Heavyweight Championship match. Um, I really, really wish we had gotten Dustin versus Ron Simmons. Oh that my would have god! Been infinitely more entertaining than this. It's not bad. Yeah. And- Max Max Payne just isn't selling very well to Dustin through this whole match. And Dustin tries. Dustin comes out flying with uh, haymakers and pounding on him. And like Dustin has his big, tough flying clothesline on him and stuff. But it's just it's just like Max is underwhelming through the entire thing, which is which is sad because Dustin is working so damn hard in this match. 
he runs the ropes like a goddamn sprinter. Like he's he's yeah. so fast. I was really impressed. Um, I also noted that you can see, like we were talking about with Steve Austin um, here with uh, Dustin, it's his arm drags where you can see his later gold dust stuff when he does that arm drag. And you can also see Cody in that arm drag too, yeah. uh, which is interesting. And the, yeah, the, the throat jabs too. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, like he's, he is, he is doing his best. Uh, he's just not pain. Matt Payne's just not giving him anything. Um, the crowd is not into this one at all. Uh, no. Jesse is, Jesse is making excuses for why Max isn't doing so well. Um, it's kind of like he knows it's not a great match either. He's talking about, well, he's tired and he was a substitute and I don't, I don't know what else he says, but and he's, he's like, from the state of Euphoria. <laughs> That's not a state. <laughs> It's a presence of mind. Mm. Deep. Yeah. So this one ends when Payne gets disqualified for roughing up the ref. <laughs> um, yeah, he literally not... just like grabs the ref by the shirt and pulls him into the grapple. And <laughs> that's it. You can't do that. No. It's like, well, that's a disappointing finish after a disappointing match. <laughs> yeah. Uh... He uh, so Dustin gets the win and keeps the belt because it's a DQ. Um, Payne keeps going to work on Dustin after the bell. Um, Dustin recovers and does a back rake on him, which is uh, it's one of those moves that just cracks me up every time. Like, please, someone, please scratch my back like that. I'm, I'm like permanently itchy. I need, I need a, I need a Hulk Hogan or now a Dustin Rhodes back rake to help me out. Yeah, this is one of the matches where they make a very a uh, poignant announcement that this match is to be fought under the WCW rules and not the NWA rules. So, yeah, where they point out that uh, you cannot jump from the top rope onto a prone opponent because yeah. they don't like fun in WCW. <laughs> also, they probably didn't want Max Payne jumping off the ropes. I'm just going to put that out there. That would have been something to see in this match, at least. I I would have supported that. You watch a fat man break both of his ankles. There's another. Uh, there's another sting segment. Are you ready? Uh, huh? <laughs> huh? Um, sting. Uh, we're we're in, we're still in the White Castle of sexy time, um, and very close up of Sting, and he says, "There's something very familiar about all of this." And then Vader screams, and a mirror breaks. And I wrote, "Am I on drugs?" Huh? What? <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love everything about it. It's amazing. <laughs> it is cinema with a capital S. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Right. Exactly. Mm. They introduce uh, Flair, comes down to the ring, hops Huge on commentary. Pop. Huge pop. Beautiful hair. Nice suit. And uh, he cuts a great promo. Uh, he delivers this amazing line. The lights are bright and the city's on fire. And now they're fighting for the title I never lost. Man, what an artist. Don't know what any of that means. I don't know what anything that any, any like thing means in this show. <laughs> uh, the, the, the sting clips, the, the, the flare promo of like the city's on fire. I, okay. I, I love it, but okay. <laughs> Let's do it. 
Yeah, let's get on. And so he's going to do commentary for the next match, which is Barry Windham versus the great Muda, who has Hiro Matsuda in his corner. This is the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match. There's a really official boxing-style explanation of the rules. <laughs> Windham yells, uh, make sure he understands the rules, which is a little bit rude. Like, <laughs> make it yeah, he's a he's an immigrant. He's learning. You know, he's he's uh, he's working on his English. It's okay. Um, this uh, You liked this one, didn't you? I did. Uh, it's a good contrasting styles of fighting, but they both they both worked well. Muda is super fast. My God, like Bruce Lee, like speed. Um, and, and like Muda has got this great outfit that he comes to the ring in. That's this. It's like white. It's like a white ninja sequin outfit with red trim that's got like dragon designs on it. It's pretty spectacular. And then, like, Wyndham comes out, and he's just like a big stomping son of a bitch walking down. <laughs> just like, that dude is huge. Um, but both of them show really great uh, rudimentary techniques. And, um, yeah, this this match is is a slam them, pound them, then suddenly super fast drop kicks and, and, and chops off the ropes and stuff like that. And then suddenly back into grinding as like uh Wyndham just like puts his weight on top of Muda, like constantly just pounding and pounding and pounding on him. Yeah. They are a really good contrast. Uh, Muda looks, it looks super cool. He's got that red and white face paint. Um, it starts off fairly one-sided except for a couple of sort of interspersed uh, offensive moves from Muda. So Wyndham is, um, is has the upper hand for for quite a bit of this. He gets a sleeper on Muda for forever. Uh, he's using the ropes for leverage and Flair approves of that sort of thing. Obviously, um, and Jesse thinks Wyndham isn't applying enough pressure to the carotid artery, <laughs> which I like. <laughs> I appreciated that. Uh, um, and Ric Flair thinks all those Japs are tough. Oof. <laughs> Um, okay. Okay, Next. Flair, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I'm sorry, Ric Flair and Jesse do make a big deal like every like three minutes of this match that this is the first time that they've met and this is the first time they've been together on commentary. And then Tony Shavani always has to chime in. And I'm sitting between them. Good job, Tony. Thank you. Um does anybody care? I mean, is, was anybody really asking for the Ric Flair, Jesse Ventura uh, compilation album? Or no, like, the, is there some sort of like flow chart out there that indicates every time that they've crossed paths but not met or something? <laughs> Six like, degrees of Jesse Ventura. Someone's keeping track at home, and like, uh, you know, there's some guy named Bill sitting in like a, a ratted out lazy boy with like a six pack of beer on his lap and another six pack in the cooler next to him going, I told you, Margaret, I told you, I told you, Jesse and Rick never been together until right now. And they just said it. I told you, damn it. Go out and give me another pack of Marlboros. Martha, you never listen. I'm not sure where this is going. Um, Muda, uh, Muda's lost almost all his face makeup by the end of this thing because they they go at it a long, long time. They stand in the center of the ring and uh, exchange chops, which is something you see on uh, modern wrestling. It's one of those things that drives certain people crazy, um, where you just kind of stand there and chop each other. But they they don't overdo it here, I don't think. 
Wyndham goes for a superplex, but Muda sort of comes back and like chops him off the turnbuckle and then drops a chop on top of him. There's yeah, there's some great stuff in here. There's a sloppy backbreaker because Wyndham is too damn tall and like <laughs> Muda Muda can't quite get him around the whole way. Like the dude is like yeah. six eight. Why Muda, are you trying to pick him up? Muda could be like uh Barry Wyndham's ventriloquist dummy in this match. He's huge. Uh, he misses a moonsault at one point, and I think he he tries it again, right, and misses it again. Is that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was kind of fading in and out because it was it was getting a little bit long. It um, does get a little long. Um, it's because there's a lot of these like grinding down moves that uh, every time that uh, Wyndham puts on Muda, uh, Jesse points out that can give Muda a cauliflower ear. Like, like he points out, that's a move that'll give you a cauliflower ear like three or four times in this match. Um, and he's probably <laughs> right, because, I mean, Barry Wyndham's giant arms are just squeezing Muda's head and grinding away in these in these really tough-looking uh, sleepers and headlocks and carotid artery holds. <laughs> um, well, I guess Jesse's probably trying to get his... Uh cauliflower ear uh awareness campaign off the ground here that's probably his that's probably his main reason for being here yeah what color ribbon is the cauliflower ear awareness <laughs> month it's um it's mostly white it's got a little like green at the base yeah. <laughs> mm, cauliflower uh, I missed the finish because I was again fading out. But Wyndham does get the win here. Did, did you catch the finish uh yeah so Wyndham suddenly lands a big DDT out of nowhere and pins him. It's like an NWA finish. Like they're at a stalemate. And then suddenly this DDT and pin comes out of nowhere. Nice. Yeah. Um, so there's a pretty cool moment afterwards where flair brings the belt up to the ring to present it to Wyndham. And he even like, you know, steps behind him and like straps a belt on him. And he does this, like they do this little stare down and then flair just kind of like nods and like walks out of the ring, but he's like doing just a little bit of his, his strut walk. Like there's just a little bit of a bob on his heels, but not, you know, not enough that you'd really um, view it as taunting, but it's still there. Um, that was that part was incredible. Uh, but he was obviously he's like, all right, here's your belt, but you're on notice. That's my belt. I'm coming back for it. Like that part was freaking incredible. And you can feel like the crowd is just wanting them to hit each other. But we know that Flair's in a non-compete contract, so he can't he can't hit him. He can't do anything, which actually builds better tension and like. I'm not sure if I'd want to see a Ric Flair versus Barry Windham match, but I am really curious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to do a little research and see what else is out there. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's better than better to not let them fight just yet. Let's let's just let's just cool it a little bit. They don't even have to say anything mean to each other. It's just so. right because Flair is actually kind of face at this moment because he he's he's returning. The triumphant champion returns back to back to North Carolina and stuff like that. It's a, it's a welcome home for him. And it's a very nice, uh, you have this warm feeling from it. Not a like, Oh shit, this guy's back more of a, (laughs) Oh, thank God he's back kind of moment. So, well, and he was always, he was always a heel literally everywhere except North Carolina. Right. So, right. Um, there's always that built in, uh, hometown crowd for him. All right. I'm really excited about this finish, uh, this main event. Um, and we get another beautiful, uh, cinematic treasure right before it. Huh? We're back in uh, sexy time huh? ice castle. Um, 
Vader says, Mr. Race, the strap. And Harley throws huh? one end to him and throws the other end to Sting. And then the implication, I guess, is that they're going to pull each other into the ring for this White Castle of Fear strap match. Oh, that's what you were talking about yesterday. Chick-fil-A of anxiety. I didn't. <laughs> Rich messaged me that he's going to the Chick-fil-A of anxiety. And I... I thought maybe the Chick Fil A just made him nervous. I don't, I I didn't remember my own joke. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm dumb. The Wendy's of happiness. <laughs> the Burger King of high blood pressure. That's more like it. <laughs> but anyway, this is a non-title lights out leather strap match not sanctioned by the wcw not safe for anyone under 14 pregnant women shouldn't handle it dogs and cats need to leave the room uh you have to drag your opponent to each of the four corners and you're you're tied together by a leather strap um so the the stages that we've we've had a, a cinematic masterpiece getting us to the moment there's a sign alert that says i've been stung by the stinger it makes me wonder if uh, sting's wife knows about that um, and you're in trouble, we, Stinger. You're in trouble. You're a son of a son of a Stinger. Um, and um, we a really good contrast in appearances and styles. Like Sting looks super cool in his flat top. He's got his purple and yellow makeup and his tights. Um, Vader is there, very no nonsense. You know, singlet and his mask, just looking like a complete beast. Harley Race looks like everyone's grandpa <laughs> with a with a suit that he got from the uh goodwill nobody wears nobody wears brown suits like old guys in the 80s that's or the 90s that's just a fact but this is a this is a really good gimmick Holy i think to put crap. these guys yeah because like because sting's whole advantage is his speed and being able to like get out of the way of the monster vader but that's eliminated by having them tied together right yeah i mean the <sighs> I, I'm always quite not quite sh clear on like the rules of the four corners matches. Like you got to take your opponent with you, but if they're strapped together, so does that count? Like, can you just like knock the guy out and just leave him laying in the middle of the ring and then just walk around and touch each of the corners real quick? Like, no, you got to drag him to the corners with you. I don't understand what do you mean by dragging? Because like there seems to be a very loose interpretation about how long. How much distance needs to be between your opponent and this match uh, for it? Um, well, that's a good question. Like, could you, like, yeah, could you? I don't know. It's a good question. Regardless of these rules or whatever, um, this match is violent as hell. Jesus. It's a thing of beauty. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know uh, really what to expect, but this thing, man. Yeah, so Vader starts with some strength moves. He yanks uh, Sting like the whole way across the ring by the strap, and then he like reels him in like a big fish, and he reels him in for a clothesline. And then Sting wraps up Vader's leg in the strap, and then goes on the offensive. Eventually, he's able to take him down with some chops and punish, punches, <laughs> punishment and punishment, punishment, yeah. and a nice drop kick to the side of the head. Did you see that kick? Like he like yeah lays lays his foot right along Vader's head. Like, that was awesome. Yeah, it was. It, it, everything in this match is stiff and tough and mean. I didn't take a lot of notes just because I was my jaw was on the floor through this entire thing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching to to like actually type notes. So like, I, I at one point, Vader looks like he's gonna like power bomb Sting, 
but then Sting back body drops him out of it without any kind of assistance from Vader. Like, holy shit, is Sting strong? Like, Vader's 450, and I don't think they're lying about that weight for him. Uh, good God. This, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah, it's, there's no, it's blood everywhere at some point yeah. in this match. Uh, the, the whole ring, like, uh, mat is pinkish, bluish red by like halfway through this match. There's just so yeah. much blood. So that's actually a good question. So the, the part that gets the, the first color is, uh, after that, um, after that drop kick, Vader is sort of down on his face on the mat. Sting um, pulls the singlet down so he can get to Vader's back and then proceeds to start whipping him with the, the strap. Um, and I don't think that actually cut him open. I think maybe Harley bladed him when he fell out of the ring after that. Did you did you catch that? Um, I, I didn't. I was so transfixed and su- sucked in. All I saw was like, oh, shit, Vader's back is actually bleeding. I don't know because, like the the marks that were there uh look legitimate and the blood looked consistent to be like how it was like it didn't look like yeah. those cuts it looked like the whipping on the back had been so brutal that the skin broke kind of thing yeah could be from like a lashing um, like I, i've never I think- seen anything like this <laughs> There's a nice shot of this nice old lady in the in the crowd when uh, when Sting's doing the whipping. This little old lady's like pumping her fist and going, "Hit him! Hit him! Hit him!" <laughs> the bloodlust like, is real in Asheville. Uh, I think they flew her in from Chicago because uh, those are the people that we saw <laughs> last time. Um, Harley Race tries to come in to get to help, but gets whipped in the head, um, and then Sting pulls Vader into the into the post twice using the strap. Um, again, he's bleeding all over the place. Sting body slams Vader on the floor, uh, and he starts dragging him to the four posts. He gets to two, uh, and then Vader sort of wakes up and pulls him into the gate, and then that resets the count. So basically, anytime your opponent starts uh, an offensive move, then you have to restart the uh, the count. So he uh, <laughs> they go back in the ring, and uh, Sting gives Vader like a Samoan drop. Is that the back body drop you were talking about? No, that's a totally oh, that's a different thing. Yeah, yeah. He just puts this dude up on his shoulders, and like uh, it's it's super impressive. Um, <laughs> Vader makes his comeback. He's got a couple of power moves, and heart. You can hear Harley outside the ring going, "Do you like it, Sting? Do you like it?" <laughs> so fucking awesome. Uh, they whip, uh, they whip, he starts whipping on Sting with the belt then, and Jesse says, this reminds me of you with your children, Tony. Uh, and Tony tells him to shut up. He doesn't like that. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Come on, Jesse, you're not with Gorilla Monsoon anymore in the 80s. Like, you can't be talking like that. Yeah. But sometimes, like, I, I, I appreciate heel commentary, but, like, a lot of the time I feel like Jesse is just, like, saying jerk things that don't actually have anything to do with what's going on. Like, Not at all. I mean, like, it's annoying. I, I wrote down that I think uh, I think Sting is dead at one point. I said, I bet he wishes he was back on that helicopter with those sweet-ass sunglasses and the sexy ladies. Vader starts bleeding from the head at some point. Like, is it yeah. his ear that's bleeding? Or They say it's his ear, and I think it Jesus. came when um, Sting pulls his mask off. I think, I think he maybe, like, 
tore a, a bit of his ear or something. That's I couldn't tell exactly what happened. It's like Jesus, that that thing was a gusher. Like I I think he hit his carotid maybe on that one. I don't <laughs> I don't like good God. And at some point, Sting picks Vader up onto his back and carries him around the ring and like hits three of the corners and then collapses when he trips over the downed ref. Yeah. Just short of the fourth corner. With a little bit of help from Harley Race, Harley yeah. kind of uh, tri- trips him up on that last one. That, that was that's insane. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sting also German suplexes Vader. Like, how strong is this motherfucker? Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't fathom how strong this guy is to be doing all of this, plus getting whipped by a leather strap. Like, this match is unbelievable. Yeah, and um, you know, you meant Sting. He's not that big of a guy. No, like, no, I'm taller than him. Yeah, I weigh more than him. I mean, I yeah, I. <laughs> but yeah, this oh, Jesus Christ, this guy <laughs> is just like picking up a 450 pound man, dead weight on his shoulders, and carries him around a 20 by 20 ring. Oh the other, no! The, the other thing that impressed me here is so Vader. Uh, you know, Leon was known for working pretty stiff, right? Like he was known for kind of like actually beating the fuck out of guys in the ring. Um, and it's sort of, you know, some people didn't like to work with him because of that. But I, it feels like Sting here is like this. We're going to do this for real. Like we're, uh, it's like that Nick Bockwinkle <laughs> match. Before yeah, Sting there's no it. doubt that like, everything in this match is real. <laughs> yeah, there's everything just is there's real. wailing each other. There's a couple of times where they exchange like shots in the corner. Um you know, where he's like rocking him with body shots or whatever. And, um, and they do it, they do it back, back and forth both ways. And like, just knowing, you know, Vader's style, like that couldn't have been a good time. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Sting yeah. was pissing blood after this match. Yeah. They're definitely going to need that ice bath after this one and some <laughs> stitches and some therapy. So after uh, Sting gets tripped up, I think maybe Vader gets one more move on him and then he drags Sting by the foot to all four corners uh, and touches them all. Um, and he gets the win. Vader gets the win and gets a ton of heat from the crowd. Well, um, the win is bullshit. Yeah. The win is bullshit. So like he hits all three corners and then sting starts to resist and sting kicks at Vader and Vader falls backwards into the fourth corner. And the ref calls that the touch and that's the win. Yeah. That's not cool. That's not uh, sting. Use an offensive maneuver. That's what, well, come on, man. Be consistent with your rules. That's the only <laughs> thing that I'm probably like upset about with this match is that the rules are inconsistent and not very clear. Uh, but other than that, this match is, is fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's 21 minutes of brutality, uh, but it's not just brutality. I think there's great storytelling. You know, again, this sort of the, the all-American hero, you know, the muscle muscle boy from California versus this, this ice castle monster. Um, and he from the, again, the burger King of, uh, the diabetes, um, and Harley race is out there causing chaos. Uh, every, everything about this match is, is fantastic. I really, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it's my pick for best match of this card actually. Same. What, what, yeah. It, it blows everything else away. Honestly, yeah, I mean, I was kind of close with the Chris Benoit Two Cold Scorpio. Like that match is also great, uh, but I think Vader versus Sting just 
because of the the spectacle and the holy shitness of the whole thing is is quite incredible and you don't see something like that a lot so or ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think i've ever seen a more violent match no uh yeah i had actually written down two cold scorpio and chris Benoit as my second uh as well which is fantastic did you have a worse match from this one yeah, Max Payne versus Dustin Rhodes. It's yeah, that's that match just it just wasn't enough there. It didn't serve its purpose of a title defense match of a proper title match. Um, like we knew, Davy Boy Smith versus Bill Irwin was going to be a squash match. It it has to be because uh, you're debuting fucking British Bulldog. Um, but the Max Payne versus Dustin Rhodes, it's a title match, and it just doesn't doesn't get there which is sad yeah that was disappointing i i there's not really any terrible matches on this card actually i mean that one's disappointing i was uh not into uh barry windham and muda the way that you were that one that one kind of bored me a little bit but uh i would probably pick the dustin Rhodes one as well as my worst yeah i mean the the muda barry windham match got a little long if they would have trimmed about five minutes off of that match then it then this mat then it would have been a, a a three-way run for best match between sting vader barry windham and uh chris benoit yeah for sure and we'll have to look around and see if dustin and uh, ron simmons ever did get to face off um if he came back from that shoulder injury and see what see what happened there did you uh pick an oh shit moment for this card i did <laughs> i I, like I, guess. <laughs> I said holy shit uh when Sting hoisted Vader up on his back and carried him around the damn ring. I couldn't, I couldn't at that moment. I had to stop. I just can't. I, I couldn't. And like, there's blood and there's a leather strap and Sting is carrying this guy on his back. Like, like some sort of like wounded moment like that dramatic moment in like the end of every movie about vietnam where like the guy is carrying his <laughs> yeah. buddy to the chopper it's it, it it had such drama and you're like oh, sting's actually going to make it and he's got vader on his back he's not just dragging him he's carrying him and then he falls just short it's like and then another shit when he's like damn he fell short like that that was a moment that was the best moment of this whole pay-per-view i think he could have ripped his quad off the bone like uh, Rick Boogs did not too long ago. God, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. think Boogs was, was carrying as much weight as Sting was no. in this moment. And uh, he had yeah. two tiny, two, he had two tiny Usos, not a friggin' monster. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of oh shit moments in that one. Um, the, the blood on Vader's back, like the first time I saw that when he rolls out of the ring and after the, the whipping and like, uh, but my, my oh shit is actually a collective one for whatever the fuck is going on with those cinematic sequences <laughs> and the white castle and uh, the helicopter what? and the tracksuit. Um, I, I don't know why they, I, I don't know why they didn't cast sting in every action movie of the nineties after that, but that was, that was stellar. I wonder if there's a, like a director's cut out there of, you know, like a, uh, like a three hour long version of that movie. Like, what went uh, on the cutting room floor with that thing? Yeah. Good like God. the apocalypse now, uh, you know, super, super cut version or whatever. 
okay, this is my task for this afternoon. I am off all this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and so we are watching wrestling. We're recording wrestling shows, and I'm googling all kinds of things uh, that I that I probably shouldn't be googling. No, because I I guarantee there's a weird sex scene. I bet you there's a goat involved in this <laughs> thing that got cut. Like, uh, I bet I'm, there's a musical performance. Oh, oh, I bet they got the sax guy from the Lost Boys. Uh, oh yeah. Man. I I'm imagining there's a scene where Harley Race is milking Vader, like I. <laughs> that's disgusting. I, I don't, it, it would be <laughs> consistent really with gross. everything that's happening in this. Like, like it just I like I'm sure there's like an evil Bond like dinner scene where like Sting and yeah. Vader are dining at a table that is ridiculously long, and Harley Race is standing behind Vader the whole time, just grimacing. And like Sting is just like, he's past the salt. And Vader's like, <laughs> and like, like, and then like one of those buxom ladies that are in the video comes over with the salt for Sting and sits on his lap. And like, it's all weird. And like Sting's in like a, a, a now a silver jumpsuit, like futuristic, like. It's a good dinner jumpsuit. Yeah. Right. He's about, he's, and like Vader is just ready to kill him. And it's. I bet, I bet Vader, I bet Vader has like a black and silver uh, mask to go with his evening tux. I mean, I hope he does anyway. Oh, for sure. And the tux is red. The tux is red and black. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm. kind of, it's, it's uh, weird. There's nothing but weird happening. It, <laughs> it, I think the best, the best, the closest thing I can think of to it is the tunnel scene from Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Yes. It's totally that. And the chicken getting beheaded in the background and shit and like uh, the boat ride. Nope. Nope. (laughs) A thousand childhood nightmares are born. As we always do, we like to just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women that we've uh, seen in this wrestling event who are no longer with us. So our in memoriam section for Super Brawl 3 from 1993 includes Flying Brian Pillman, Chris Benoit, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Beautiful Bobby Eaton, Hiro Matsuda, Big Van Vader, Harley Race, and announcer Gordon Sully. So that's our episode for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, you can find us on the web at alltherestlemanias.com. Shoot us an email at alltherestlemanias at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitters at WrestleManiaPod. Check out our Facebook and Instagram presences. We've post uh, fun stuff that you can interact with. We have a round table. We have uh, good discussions on there. So um, take a look. Send us your thoughts. Thanks for listening. And so long, everybody. (laughs) 